It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is comedian Tom Takar, who will be performing in the Comedy Works at the Plaza, July 1st and 2nd at 9 p.m. For ticket information, go to plazahotelcasino.com. And for everything about Tom Takar, go to tomtakar.com and follow him on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Ira. It's, uh, it's good to see you. Same here. Even though people are just listening to us, I'm seeing you, you're seeing me because we do it over Zoom. I have to let the audience know that I stumbled when we first started <laughs> because I don't know what it is. It must be psychological. I left out your first name. Obviously, they were hearing me say it correct this time. Right, right. right. But do you get that a lot? No. What's funny is it happened once, but it was very, uh, it was a very important moment in my career. It was the first time I ever did television. I was on Conan when it was on TBS and... I was all excited. Uh, I was I was going out. I was watching from the green room, and Conan introduced at the top of the show. It's a big moment, and he's about to say my name on TV for the first time. And me and my buddy are recording it from the green room, and he says, "Tonight on the show, we have comedian Takar." And I I panic. There's video of me losing my mind because. I, my thought was, oh no, this is, I'm going to have to change my name to comedian to car now because I've, this is my first TV appearance. And luckily he fixed it in post. He was let know immediately and he was super nice about it. He said, I'm getting old and losing my mind. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know why I said that. I, I think I but am. I think I am too, just because I don't know. Maybe I was thinking that it would work better for you. You know, they're Sinbad. And sure, sure. one one name you could be that's a marquee name just one word frank yeah if i was just to call sammy it, it could be share to car you know i think <laughs> it could work <laughs> but it sounds like a magician to me i don't know it sounds, it's the amazing to car yes <laughs> yeah comedian to car and it sounds it sounds like when they come hypnotize you i'm glad you had the courage to mention to conan that he had not quite done the name right <laughs> Yeah, luckily there was an in-between because I probably, I love Conan so much, I probably would have just changed my name on the spot and, <laughs> and the car forever. Now, you are from Indiana. In fact, I think by state law, you are the last comedian allowed to be from Indiana. I, David Letterman would be one, and you would mm -hmm. be number two, I would think. that how, Jim that's Gaffigan how, is oh, in there, Jeff, too. There you go. So you're number three, mm -hmm. and that's it. I think they closed the door. I think uh, that uh, there's no more to be had. <laughs> exactly. There's a, there's a state allocation of comedians. And the Midwest is interesting because it only has a certain number, but they're great comedians. And mm -hmm. maybe that's why they're good quality comedians, because they're limiting the number. I'm making all this that up, of course, it. as our audience knows. <laughs> but <laughs> No, they, I think... It's such a weird job to pick out of there because we're all pretty utilitarian and to to take the risk of not making a you know a, a good income to raise your family when you turn 21 is uh is very because you I was supposed to be married as a you know a 22 year old I was engaged and so you're supposed to start a family and you can't be a comedian there's, there's no money in it so right you got to raise crops now you can't be out yeah. there raising laughs come on 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, you gotta you gotta feed the pigs. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting mindset too, because you are not exactly totally clean in the sense that you are quite comfortable with four letter words, and yet you know you don't yeah. associate that with Indiana. But is there a club of Indiana comedians where you and Gafferty and Letterman get together and meet once every six Man. months? Whew. I would kill for that to be a club because I am such a huge fan of both of them. And I feel like Letterman is actually a lot more edgy than he uh, seemed. I've been watching his uh, his interview series. And it's great. And Gaffigan has started to lean a little bit more edgy. But of the three, I'm definitely the dirtiest and the most, uh, yeah, the grossest. So I, I worry Gaffigan just followed me on Twitter, and I was I, I got very nervous <laughs> about what, the stuff that I post on there. But yeah, the rest, yeah, unfortunately, there's no get together. We should start. We should start it though. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think he's following you because he got a DM from the state of Indiana saying that you are the last of the <laughs> comedians allowed to be from there. So that's probably Illegally why he was obligated to. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly right. And you have a comedic passport that allows you to go almost mm -hmm. anywhere. Were your parents surprised that you decided, instead of medical school, that you would make people laugh? No, no. My, uh, it was just my mom, which is a good start to being a comedian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, not having a dad to worry about. But um, <laughs> didn't have to worry about his judgment because he was gone. <laughs> um, but no, my mom knew I loved comedy, and she... Tells this, she talks all the time about how when I was a kid, I would she would walk by my room and hear me laughing and t and kind of talking to myself about jokes. But I'd be watching stand up comedy all the time in my room. I had a TV in my room and I would just watch cable. And she knew I loved it and she liked that I loved it. And she's funny, so I think she wasn't shocked. I'm sure she was nervous and uh, a little worried. But I kind of I kind of slow played her because I would I would say things like. Um, I'm going to go to nursing school and do comedy now. I just kind of slowly pulled the rug out where I was like, I'm going to be a, a nurse practitioner. And then it became a nurse. And then it became a technician. And then it became, I'm cleaning the floors. At the hospital. And then slowly I had nothing to do with medicine at all. <laughs> and then you were cleaning the, the floors at the comedy club. So it went yeah, exactly, going. Yeah. It's interesting because it's not to make fun of a particular state. It's just interesting that. Most comedians, if you think about it, the hard edge ones, I would say, let me qualify it, are from either New York or LA, some major city, because it just, yeah. it lends to neurosis. I don't know that Indiana lends to neurosis, does it? But I would say Indiana leads to boredom, though, which is <laughs> to do, so there's more time to think and yeah. more time to lose your mind. Oh, then you can and become also, neurotic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and people who... I, and also the Midwest is a little, has a little more edge than I think people are because Chicago's in the Midwest and a bunch of everybody's favorite comedians are from Chicago. Like Bernie Mac is from Chicago. There's a, there's a million great comics from Chicago. So that's, that's a big hub. And I think because people look down on places like Chicago or the Midwest, there's a little bit of an edge and that there's like a chip on those people's shoulder, they feel much more fish out of water when they come to New York or LA. So they stick out and then they advance faster because every, if every comic was from New York, there'd be 200 David tells and nobody wants that. We want one David tell. And then, uh, and then, a, you know, an, another version of a New York comedian, but yeah, it's people move to New York to become neurotic. And <laughs> you know? 
another comedian from Chicago, going back several generations, is Bob Newhart. Yeah. And you mentioned about having the TV in your room and watching cable TV. Were you able to watch old sitcoms that featured people like Bob Newhart, or were you able to listen to old recordings, which obviously were originally on vinyl, but subsequently digital, Bob mm -hmm. Newhart, Mort Saul, Bill Cosby, etc. Like in, other, so in other words, did you listen to the old school? Did I listen to well? the old school? I did, but not a ton. I did love Bob Newhart, not so much Mort Saul. Um, and I never, I don't, I know this is going to sound crazy, but Bill Cosby, I just never came. I watched the TV show, but I never really got into a stand up. And then by the time I would have, it became too late <laughs> because it's not exactly something you're seeking out uh, these days. But what about George Carlin? George Carlin, yes. Uh, George Carlin, I would watch later specials because my stepdad would watch comedy in the living room sometimes. And I, the first person I saw was Chris Rock, and I, I fell in love with that immediately. And then Andrew Dice Clay, I watched Jeff Foxworthy, another person that uh, has Indiana connections because his TV show is set in my hometown. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of old stuff that I, I watched and listened to, but... I was more the thing that really got me into it was watching younger people do it because I it was a little closer to where I was coming from. People like Nick Swardson or like who who else was a person that I was thinking one other old school guy, Richard Pryor too. Yeah, I I liked Richard Pryor, but he was is it because I was watching this stuff when I was nine years old, and somebody like Richard Pryor who is hilarious. I wasn't quite ready to become a super fan of because it was a little deeper. People forget he covered some heavy subject matter stuff. And for a kid, it's not as silly as somebody like Kevin James. I enjoyed cartoonish type people. I liked Ray Romano a lot. There's a, yeah, there's, I liked silly comedy a lot as a kid. You look a little like and Ray Romano. I've heard that. Yeah. Yes. It's when I was a kid, I got that a lot. It's been a while, but um, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Ray Romano fan. I think he's great. But uh, and I loved the TV show. My me and my mom would watch that show every every night. So when you started out in comedy, after of course distracting your mother from what you were really doing, yeah, yeah, and you started to put material together, how did you decide to formulate your approach? Because you had all these influences, having watched TV in your room as you talked about it, and having chucked a rather lucrative medical career into a more <laughs> lucrative comedy career, but. How did you decide to formulate your comedic approach? Well, I knew that I was very influenced by two different types of comedy. And those were very silly. Like I was saying, kind of like clown. Or Steve Martin, for that matter, people. too, in his earlier yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love Steve Martin is a great example. But I was at this time obsessed with Jim Gaffigan and his silly voice that he did to emulate the audience. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And I wanted to be able to be present like he was and uh, silly like he was. And then I liked kind of darker material. But, so I would do, I wouldn't say cringy humor, but I might make, I was clean when I, ver when I very first started out, but I did enjoy edgier humor. So I would make maybe an inappropriate joke that right now I probably wouldn't stand by, but 
that's well, what I started. A, it's out. a learning process too when you're yeah, in the beginning. and finding out what you why are you saying this? Are you saying it just to get a laugh? Is it cheap? Is it something you actually think is funny, or is it shock value? And I slowly peeled that stuff out, and then I was very influenced by Louis C.K. It was a very he was huge when I was starting out, and so doing stuff that was more personal that became my whole my whole approach and then it's kind of weird your your stuff changes as you go and even now it's shifting where i've i went so personal for so long and now it's kind of shifting back into into absurd silly sometimes again and i like to mix the two there's something you talk about in your act not necessarily all the time but i've seen little snippets of it where you talk about being and it's very funny ethnically ambiguous yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I know you're Norwegian, so that's fine. Right, right. I wish. Well, <laughs> what are some of the things that people think about you when they, when they see you and they come up to you after your gig? Well, lately, because so I am, I'm half Indian, but uh, I, don't, I don't talk about it a ton on stage because I have a clip right now that I posted recently, but it's from my, it's from my Comedy Central half hour special from a few years back. And I kind of don't, I kind of dropped the material a little bit after that, but I'm bringing it back to do, I'm doing my first album at the end of the year. And so I'm doing it again. But when I talk about being half Indian, I now meeting more and more half Indian people who can see that I'm also half Indian, but also because India is such a big place with so many different types of people and people who look a lot different. I'll meet people who look nothing like me who are also half Indian. And some people are, it's just it's just a big broad range but a lot of people think i'm have they think i'm like latino <laughs> like my fiance's family is from argentina so our landlord came in and it started speaking spanish to me but not to her and i don't speak spanish <laughs> it's, uh, i'm trying to learn but i don't <laughs> and, um, that happens sometimes where people just assume i speak spanish so you're going to learn spanish yeah i'm trying to learn the family all speak Spanish and some of them only speak Spanish. So I can't really communicate with them other than by smiling at them, <laughs> which is awkward. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn, I'm doing Duolingo and I took some classes, but, but yeah, people will just assume I speak Spanish a lot. We hire a cleaning service and they'll speak Spanish to me. And I, um, that's the other thing is I'm trying to learn just because of New York and LA. It's, it's good to know, you know? We should point out that you're going to be moving to LA and also getting married. So these are two big major steps. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff coming this year. It's kind of crazy that I'm coming to Vegas, to be honest, <laughs> because I'm getting married in August. And I, but I threw together this Vegas weekend for myself. Well, that's uh, good. You could have you could have gotten married in Vegas too, and just put it all together. That's true. Honestly, I kind of thought about that because we're not having a traditional wedding. My mom is going to marry us. And then we're just having a big party. That's kind of a going away from New York party as well. But my sister got married in Vegas and it seemed really fun. It seems like a great time. It is. I just did some quick calculation. The fact that your mother is marrying you, you save $522. 
Is that true? No, I made that up. I don't know what it's caused, but the fact <laughs> that I just thought that was an attempt at humor, Tom. Come on, just humor me. <laughs> it's hard when I can't see your face. I can't see the wink. I know we froze a little bit. <laughs> That's <But> okay. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, we are probably saving something, but we still gotta get to marriage license. I gotta figure a lot of stuff out. It's uh it's Yeah, it's a big it's a big year. It's a big year. Believe. You mentioned earlier about being half Indian. I would imagine that I'm gonna combine two different Indians. You're going to be the low man on the totem pole in the caste system in India. Yeah, yeah. That's funny because I say just by sheer use of the language and not thinking about it in that in my bit about I have a bit about how when people find out I'm half Indian, sometimes they'll say the classic thing of feather or dot or some people say, what is it? Casino or like tech or uh computer nerd or something I, I there's a couple different ones but i say that saying dot is like low on the the totem pole of offensive things to say it's not like it's not that offensive but i and people laugh and i'm and i it always catches me and i'm like oh yeah that's another indian thing so it's uh it just works out by accident right i know and i i, I and i even said about it's really obviously a totem pole is native american versus indian right which right. is the country of india which is a huge Huge power in the world these days, economic and and mm -hmm. political. So that's that's pretty impressive. When you start putting your material together, are you willing to try new material on television, or you want to make sure whenever you make an appearance, as you did on Conan and other TV shows, you want to make sure that that material is very structured, and so there's no chance of not getting a reaction from the audience. Yeah, if it's something like Conan or I did the Tonight Show this past year and when you do that it's pretty vetted in that they want to make sure it works and the the booker looks over your, combs through your material i will say when i did the tonight show because it was coming so shortly after not that the pandemic is fully over but when things were opening back up at least and it was hard to perform because there was nowhere to do it because it was you know everything shut down some of the material was relatively new and I had been working out over Zoom, so Zoom shows. So it was kind of weird to take something that new to live audiences onto The Tonight Show, you know, but that's about as close as it gets to, to doing something unpolished or, or not did really, you find it, uh, you know, put together. Did you find it unusual working out the material on Zoom? Yeah, I did enjoy performing on zoom even though it was weird it was just an outlet to do something during the pandemic when everything was shut down and I, i'm sure a lot of people can relate to just kind of feeling lost without an outlet and a, a way to talk to people and there was nowhere to do live comedy and it was not safe anyway but yeah for a while zoom was the only way to perform and i was doing these shows where i set up I set up a situation where I was doing 30 minutes of new material. I'd, I'd present it that way and have people pay a few bucks to join the Zoom and uh, have a couple of my buddies perform on it. And it was fun to be able to see what my friends were working on. And it gave me a reason to write again because I was worried about losing the skill because it was, you know, over, over a year of not even doing any kind of stand up. And then I, I pretty quickly got on the zoom thing because a few different streaming platforms hit me up to say hey do you want to do a set on this and it's at first it seemed insane a lot of comedians really hated it and there was a lot of controversy in the comedy community about 
is this even comedy at all? And a lot of people said, I refuse to do it. It definitely wasn't doing stand-up comedy. It wasn't the same. But I would do shows where I could. He- we had the audience turn their microphones on. You could hear people laughing. And it was at least something. And it was good because some of the some of the jokes I wrote and worked on from that is, are on The Tonight Show now. So it, it was valuable to me. I don't think it was valuable to everybody, but I, I found a way to make it work. And I think it exercises your comedy muscles as well, even though they're not, as you said, it's not exactly stand-up, but it's close enough where at least those muscles come into play. Yeah, and it also made me perform more again, like in that I, you have to really use what you have when people are just looking at your face on a screen. And so it made me perform a little harder because I couldn't just talk into a microphone in front of a large crowd of people and lean on the jokes as much as I could in a real comedy environment where I can use my voice a little differently and act things out with my body. It was just my face really. So I I was using the computer in different ways and it made me creative in a different way, a little more. And there were perks to that. Yes, I could see that. Here's a sensitive question. Does your fiance, soon to be wife, find you funny? She does. I don't <laughs> think it would work if uh, if she didn't. Luckily, before we went on our first date, she sneakily watched some of my clips because she would not uh, have gone out with me if she did not. And also, I think uh, she's much more attractive than me, so uh, <laughs> I, I need to be funny or else I lose. <laughs> I, would, I would not be able to uh, to be with her. Yeah, you're balancing the relationship. You provide the humor and she provides the attractiveness. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that works out great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Man, if could you could... imagine if I said no? <laughs> what a terrible relationship that would be. Exactly. <laughs> she finds you, I'm sure, naturally funny within the relationship, but is she a critic of your material or do you go to her for criticism of the material that you work on for presentation? Not really. She, she kind of, I don't really bring it up to her. I like to let her see it after I've already been working on something. And then she'll say, Oh, I've hadn't seen you do this one thing. I liked that. Or uh, if it's something it's, it's almost always positive. She, she knows that I, I'm, uh, am enough of a critic of myself to where I don't need someone else to tell me, "Hey, that joke sucks." If it doesn't work, I can I can suss it out pretty quickly. And um, yeah, she's mostly just supportive, and uh, she's creative too. So she she we we kind of just support each other. Is she comfortable in the world of comedy? In other words, if she goes with you to a comedy club, she can clearly watch you on television, but Comedy club is a different environment. Is she comfortable in that environment? Not always. And because comedy clubs are a mixed bag of uh, stress. And usually when she sees me, it's either I do a show at an an independent venue or she'll come to see me at the comedy cellar. If she comes to the comedy cellar, it's kind of a very busy place with a lot of moving pieces. And there's a lot of comics around and comics, you know, are not always the most socially adept people when it comes to talking to not non-comedians because they're you know they are neurotic and they're weird and (laughs) they're in their heads and they're crazy and they'll talk to her as if she's a comedian and ask her really specific questions about their own acts and she's like i don't know what (laughs) i don't work in this field and so she is comfortable for the most part but i there's an element of 
okay, now you've done your set. Let's get out of here. Um, <laughs> whereas I like to hang out there all night and talk to, cause it's, I do love talking to comedians, but it's, you know, that's, it's not her world. Yeah. You're in the business. She's not. So that makes sense. Before I let you go, you have a podcast as well. Yes, I do. I have a podcast called Stand By Your Band, where we have comedians come to talk about music that people make fun of them for liking. Bands such as Nickelback and Coldplay, bands that get made fun of that we think deserve to have their day in court. And so they, the comics come and bring a few songs to show why this band is good and maybe that they're underrated. And sometimes we just do appreciation episodes where it's maybe not a band that people make fun of, but maybe a band that people don't ever talk about or don't know anything about who is great. We did one with Chris Gethard about the band Jawbreaker that was really fun and the band listened to it and they were really cool about it. It's a, it's a really good time. And then I also had a podcast that I was mentioning to you before we started recording. I had a Comedy Central podcast that's still up that I'm really proud of. It's where I got to handpick my favorite stand-up each week and play clips and talk about them. And uh, it, was, it was really fun. It's called Stand Up with Tom Takar. I think your first show that you mentioned, though, should have been called Stand Up by Your Band. <laughs> Since yeah, that, you have comedians that... and you have the bands. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a little it late, though. Of course, you've already got the uh, the title, and you can get that on Apple Podcasts and all the usual platforms. And as you mentioned, your other podcast is still up there as well. One last thing. Are you planning to be on the road all the time? I'm, your, I'm sure your wife, a soon-to-be wife, is not going to be happy about that. But are you going to be looking forward to years on the road, or are you looking to do more of television, movies, etc.? I think every comic would love to do television, movies, et cetera, if it's on the table. But I, I love stand-up comedy so much that I can't imagine a world where I'm not on the road at all or performing regularly. So I like to think of TV and podcasting, stuff like that, as all feeders into stand-up, things that will build more buzz that can get people in seats so that I can do the thing that I love the most, which is stand-up. But it, with the way that the world is right now, I'm maybe going to try to get into a writer's room in LA just so that I can make money without having to be on the road constantly. If we want to have kids or something that, that life gets a little dicey and a little difficult if you're gone 40 weeks, you know, out of the year. So I think my goal for at least the next year or so is do maybe two weekends a month out on the road so that I can still be home for the most part, still make a little money, but I can still be home. That's great. And that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been comedian Tom Takar. He'll be performing in the Comedy Works at the Plaza July 1st and 2nd at 9 p.m. For ticket information, go to plazahotelcasino.com. And for everything about Tom Takar, including his new album when it comes out, go to tomtakar.com. And you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tom, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much, Ira. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.